So many owners open their shops with the dream of doing auto repair the right way, being an asset to their community, having free time with their families, and having the ability to create a financial legacy. In reality, so many find themselves working long days, are struggling to find and keep good staff, and can barely pay the bills. Since 2016, the fastest growing automotive repair coaching company, ShopFix Academy's sole purpose is to stop the average small business from destroying the average family. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com. This guy walks up to me in a suit. And uh, he goes, you need to stop dressing like a mechanic. You need to be a business owner. I was, I was pretty hurt because I was like, well, this is, this is my roots. This is my identity. This is who I am, right? I'm just, I'm a mechanic. This is Success Leaves Clues, an automotive industry podcast. And I'm your host, Thomas Hayes. Today is Friday, July 29th, 2022, and next week I am so grateful to be part of the annual Shop Hackers Conference in Nashville, Tennessee. If you're attending that conference, please come by and say hi. I'll be in the back of the main room. Because of this conference, this week I'm putting out one of our top episodes for anyone that's not heard it. And FYI, there won't be a new episode next week, but the week after, I'm going to be dropping some incredible interviews that I can't wait for you to hear. So this week, we revisit my conversation with none other than 26-year industry veteran and Ratchet and Wrench cover star, Michael Rosenberger, aka The Burke. Michael started in the industry literally sweeping the floors in his dad's shop, and through a series of big moves painful blows, and incredible lessons, he now owns two very successful shops in Texas. This was a great interview, so stick around. An effective online presence is a critical part of your shop's growth and profitability, which is why it only makes sense to use the company that many top-performing repair shops use for managing their online presence, Leads Near Me. Leads Near Me effortlessly increases your car count with a strategic combination of killer websites, high-converting Google ads, traffic-driving social media posts, and more. Reach them by text or call at 888-953-2379 or visit them online at leadsnearme.com. Leads Near Me. Effortlessly increase car count. Michael. Hey. Hey. AKA the Berg. Yes. Yeah, you're, you're known as the Berg around here. How did you get that name? Um, I'm not sure. Guy gave that to me. I, I don't know if it's because he couldn't pronounce it or it's like Rosa Berg or Rosa Berger or which one is it? He's like, we're just going to call you the Berg. It's just easier. That's great. Yeah. So, uh, so Berg, when did you get into auto repair? How long have you been in the industry? Uh, been in now about 26 years. That's, um, that's a good tenure. Yeah. A long time. A long time. How'd you get started? So my uh, dad's partner uh, bought or, or, he went into business with uh, two other partners in Knoxville, Tennessee, when I was 13 with uh, four Midas shops. Nice. So started sweeping the floors. Wow. Yeah. And then uh, kind of moved up from there, turned the brakes and everything else. So did you have any, so you, your, your training was on the job? 
you don't have any formal education in how to fix a car? Never went to school. Nice. Nope. And that was, I mean, the Midas back then was brakes, mufflers, and, you know, exhaust and maybe some shocks and struts. Right. So how long did you work for your dad? Uh, probably through 21, I want to say. So, wow. Yeah. So probably about seven or eight years and then, uh, got married, um, and then moved down to Denton, Texas. Uh, that was back in May of 06. Why Denton? What's uh, there? my wife wanted to go to Texas women's university. Okay. And that's in Denton. That is. Okay. So I said, yes. Let's, that was smart. Let's, let's do that. That's good. So <laughs> got a job at the Midas shop there and then uh, realized real quick that um, that was not the place for me and uh, heard about this guy named Tommy and went and interviewed six times and uh, he finally gave me a job. Why did you or how did you come to the conclusion that Midas wasn't for you um, or that particular Midas? So... I ended up selling all my jobs and working on the cars and everything. So I was doing from start to finish everybody else's jobs. So, um, and they were super slow. Yikes. So tell us about Tommy's. So Tommy's was, uh, at the time it was two locations. Uh, they're doing about 800,000 a year. Um, he needed somebody up front to, uh, run the front counter. So started there making $29,000 a year. So you went, so you applied, did you apply as a tech and he gave you the advisor role or? Yeah, I wanted to be a tech. He's like, look, I don't have a spot open for a technician. I only have a spot for a service writer right now. And I can only afford to pay you this because we've never had two. And had you ever sold before? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I guess up in a family business, I mean, you kind of do everything. You sweep the floors, you, you know, bend some exhaust pipe, you, you know, manage a store or you know, be the service writer or the gopher or whatever it is. Yeah. Were you good at writing? I was okay. I wouldn't say I was good at it, but yeah, it's what I had to do. Yeah. I got good at it so over what, time. What happened next? Um, so just eventually became the manager of the store and, uh, we grew it up to about 1.8 million. Oh my gosh. Yep. And, um, yeah, it was 16 bays, 17 bays at the time. I can't remember which one, but um, yeah, January 17, uh, bottom out. So, wow. Yeah, it was really cool. I think that is a, that's something we need to talk out at some point, that story. Sure. So uh, what I wanted to talk out a little bit deeper is, you know, you've made a lot of transitions in yeah. the industry. Yeah. Each transition there is a mindset shift that has to occur for sure. And it, from, you know, my observation, the biggest mindset is going from being an employee to being an owner. Yeah. So 2018 was kind of my, what I call my breakout year. Yeah. That's uh that's the year that I hit uh rock bottom and what happened in the highest uh, point at the same time, kind of. Um, so I had, uh, I've been in, um, owner for what a year, 11, 12, 13 months or so. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got invited to this, uh, um, business owners education class in Dallas, which is a great organization. It, a lot of EO stuff is in there, but 
Uh, it was like a 12 week program, I think four hours on a Tuesday. Um, so I'm going through that and, um, you know, I'm, I'm literally changing oil or doing breaks or running the front counter, whatever it is. And I go literally from there to the class. And so I show up in these, you know, mechanics clothes, if you will. Yeah. Um, Hustling. Yeah. Yeah. You know, polo in, in the, you know, cargo pants or whatever. Heck yeah. You know, still got my pins and, you know, flashlight in the pocket, probably. A couple of grease stains. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Maybe had, you know, on my face, you know, so who knows, but, um, um, and yeah, I viewed myself as an owner, but not as a businessman. Mm-hmm. And there was a big difference, but that it hurt because my identity was wrapped up in being a mechanic, like that's who I was. Mm-hmm. I'd been that for a long time, for 20 years. So whether I was turning wrenches or on the front counter, it's all the same. Um, just living, breathing the auto repair industry. You know, I was a mechanic. I was a grease monkey. Yeah. So, um, and I still am. And that's fine. But um, yeah, my identity had to change or, or my view of my identity had to change for sure. What did that look like for you? Was that like a light switch or was it a process? No, it was, I think it's one of those subconscious messages kind of stayed in my mind for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I started to wear a little bit different clothes and things like that. Um, just to those classes, but not anywhere else. Right. I would just show up there and he goes, that's much better. Um, but in March of March and April, of 18, like the business was not doing well at that time. What happened? And, um, we, we were trying to schedule all of our work and trying to just meet our technicians hours. Right. And so we were turning away a lot of customers. We were not saying yes. We were not, mm. um, bringing everybody in the market was trying to get into my store, but we were saying no. And at the same time we had raised our prices in the last year a lot and, um, just got some bad advice on that Yeah, and, and ran off a lot of customers so that the, shouldn't have. Yeah. So basically the, the business kind of went through a declining phase for sure because of all these business changes that you'd made. Mm-hmm. Yep. Gotcha. Yep. And, um, that yeah. must've been scary to see those results happening. Yeah. I mean, it was, I mean, I remember looking at the bank account going, Hmm, you got enough, you know, payroll left for or enough money in, in the bank left for one more payroll. Wow. What am I going to do? And then, yeah. um, you know, fortunately I found, um, a, a coach that kind of poured into me and said, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this. And, um, yeah, that kind of changed my world from there. What were some of the changes? Um, just saying yes to all the customers and just telling, I basically said, Hey, um, you know, all the, all the writers up front, like, Hey, um, take in every car you possibly can. I promise you, I, I've got your back. I'll make it go through the shop. Hmm. I'll figure it out. Right. And so we had a record week. We did, uh, you know, $104,000 in a week. That's a good week. Yeah. Compared to the, you know, 50 and 60 that we were doing Yeah, before that. So we almost doubled and, um, I was like, Oh my goodness. It's crazy. Yeah. But that, that was kind of a life changing week, 
like I'll, I'll never forget that week. Yeah. And then uh, a few weeks after that, it kind of hit me about being a business person versus a grease monkey. Like I was just trying to, I was still trying to fix cars mm-hmm. and I wasn't working on the business. So, you know, that week when you had that realization, like, do you remember what you were doing or, or what triggered that? I just remember the end of that week. Like we all sat around as a team and we just kind of like what just happened. Yeah. And uh, I remember for the first time, you know, they, they looked at me as the leader in the shop. And I don't know that they really looked at me as a leader before that moment. Did you feel like the leader at that point or was there maybe? I did. I That's did. awesome. Yeah. Cause I, I felt like I was orchestrating everything, but I, I felt like I worked hard that week, but mm-hmm. I didn't do what I normally did, which is like micromanage everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. All I did was just support them and provide um, a safe place for them and just said, Hey, how can I help you? How can I help you get this car out? How can I help you? And just I started asking a lot of questions to people versus making demands or mm. statements to people. Yeah. And it was that leader um, leadership that kind of, uh, I, I switched gears. I don't know what happened that week and it was out of desperation and it was out of, uh, you know, hitting rock bottom and going, Hey, we, we've got to do this and pulling up the bootstraps and, and going to town. Yeah. So, um, I just remember the end of that week, it was, it was a pretty awesome feeling and, and everybody team was pumped. Everybody was, was super happy. So, yeah, they had a great leader. Yeah. Yep. So did your mindset, you know, from that point, was it like, I'm the leader and I'm good and I got this, or was it a process of continuing to develop that mindset out? Yeah. So the problem with that week was I had a manager, but he was not, um, the best equipped for that much volume. Sure. And, and I blame myself a lot for that, for not training, for not pouring into him and and all that things. But I I basically handed the reins back over to him and, and then we repeated this pattern for several months. And, um, I don't know that I ever set up everything in the, in the beginning because it all revolved around me running the store. Mm -hmm. And I just said, Hey, you're the manager. And then, you know, it just kind of crumbled from there. So, it was, it was my fault for not training and, and equipping, um, in the first place. And so that, I mean, one bad decision led to n- another, but, uh, what I learned through that was I had to tell them my expectations, mm-hmm. equip them to meet those expectations and train them and give them the knowledge and, um, everything they needed to do that. Yeah. And so we just kind of, uh, yeah, it ended up that manager didn't work out and I had to get another one about a year later. So I had to take the store back over back in uh, 19 and, uh, did that for a few months until I found the right person. Yeah. And, uh, through a lot of the lessons I learned back in 18, um, just really poured into the next manager and just supported them the way I knew I should have done in the first place. Yeah. Did you know that some web design companies use the same wording across all their client sites? Unfortunately, this common practice is noted by Google as plagiarism, which will cause your site to be ranked lower. That's why it's critical that whoever makes your shop's website knows better. 
That's why so many top shops trust Leads Near Me to create and manage their shop's websites. As Google certified partners, they know how to make a top ranking website from an insider's perspective. Get a free site analysis by visiting leadsnearme.com or calling 888-953-2379. Leads Near Me, effortlessly increase car count. So, you know, if, if someone out there is listening and, you know, longtime technician, they, they own a shop, what are some clues that you can reveal um, that can help them in that journey? You know, you had your epiphany, you, you had your moment. How do you, how, what are some things that you can help someone also have that moment? So the biggest thing for me was, was equipping everybody else to do better than what you can do. And that was, that was a huge mindset shift for me. You know, I had to get out of the way and let the team work. And that's what happened in that one week. I literally got out of the way and just said, Hey, how can I support you? And some man, that could have been washing a car. That could have been sweeping a floor. That could have been, um, running to go grab lunch or whatever. Like I did anything and everything possible to make their life easier that week. Um, and just kind of serve them. And, um, I would say, you know, get out of the way of your team. A lot of us hold our teammate or, you know, our team back. Mm. That was a huge shift that week. Yeah. Uh, talking a little bit about that, like what, how did you overcome that holding your team back? Um, like, was there a realization like, oh, wow, I'm doing this or like, how did you evolve out of that? Yeah. So I think it's a big one. Yeah. I don't know that I, I necessarily realized that that week, um, uh, what I was actually doing, uh, it was, again, it was out of desperation. Like we had to just, we had, I knew the number I had to get to, which was, $80,000 that week mm -hmm. to start, you know, to make all the bills and, and make everything work. So I had that target of 80,000. And we, when we crushed that and passed that on Thursday, I was like, Oh, what's going on. And, and I really didn't look up from doing anything other than doing what everybody else told me to do. Like, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? And, um, I don't know that I was making a, a conscious decision to, uh, of, um, trying to serve them and equip them other than it was just doing whatever it took. Right. Right. So what's, if someone's listening and they're, you know, they're, they're hearing this too, and, and they're stuck in that, that mindset of I'm a technician, you know, they're, they're wearing, you know, the, the clothes from that role and, and just struggling through that. Like what for you, it sounded like, you know, the catalyst was that class that you went to and that guy saying to you, you know, Hey, you need to start dressing, you know, like an owner. What are some other things that you think would be helpful for someone who's trying to make that transition, the identity portion of the transition? Yeah. So you definitely need to, um, oh man, there's so many things running through my head right now, but that, that transition is, is difficult because, we want to be the guy mm. or the girl. Um, we want to be the person that everybody goes to. Like our ego feeds off of fixing fires mm -hmm. and putting out fires. And so you, we can make anything uh, and we can create a disaster and then go fix it and clean it up. And we don't realize that we did that. It's like subconscious. Subconsciously. Feeding that. 
Absolutely. Yeah. And so we get fed from the chaos. Um, and, and that's where owners or entrepreneurs thrive is off that chaos. Unfortunately, that doesn't put money in the bank very well. Right. So I would say just getting, you know, stop doing the chaos, stop creating problems, like let your team lead. You just support them. How do you know if you're the one creating the chaos or not? Like, how do you get that level of self-awareness? So if some, if everybody is asking you little questions all day long, that means that you're controlling everything that happens Hmm. and you are making the chaos all go through you and you're not actually designing systems or have processes in place where it goes to somebody else or even just, you know, the board or, or whatever, like the dispatch system or, you know, whatever that looks like. But if you, if everybody's asking you questions all day long, you're not doing a good job leading or supporting or helping them because they're basically going, I don't want to be creative. I don't want to get any better. It is what it is. Hmm. We're just going to allow you to tell us what to do. So it's basically in that scenario, like they're just trained to rely on you. They don't have permission, creativity, um, and allowance to be able to make those decisions on their own. That's correct. Within boundaries. That's correct. Was that, did you experience that? Oh yeah. And, and what were some things that you, like, did you first start out with systems? Did you first start out with just, Hey, empowering you guys, you have, you guys can do this. Like, how did you start that process? Once out of that breakthrough week, what I learned was everybody else could do way more than what we were doing before. I mean, oh, we yeah. literally almost doubled. Right. So it, w- we didn't change anybody. There was not a new teammate. There was not new something. There's no system that we put in place to do that. Yeah. I just literally stepped out of the way and let them do their thing, whatever it was, and just supported them in that. And I would ask questions. So, well, okay, how can we make this oil change go faster? How can we make this? How can we make the dispatching go? What's the bottleneck? What's your bottleneck? Okay. What's going on here? How can I help? How can I serve? Like, um, you brought them into the conversation of how to improve. Yes. That's huge. Yes. I let them come up with a system. If they come up with a system, they automatically have buy-in. Ah, so creating that buy-in with empowering them and you're supporting them as a servant leader helped you guys be able to move forward. Absolutely. That's huge. Yep. Any other suggestions or tips for someone that's in that process of, of making that transition from, you know, that, that, uh, technician or advisor mindset to being that leader in the business? Yeah. You know, technicians are very black and white. We, yeah. we have, uh, our job is to fix a problem. Our job is to say, this is broke. This mm-hmm. is good. And so no matter what they are, you know, everybody's coming to them with a problem. You, they have to come up with a solution. Well, when you become an owner, you're still in that mindset. Hmm. Right. And the problem with that is you just make statements all day long. And a leader should ask more questions than you make statements. Wow. That's huge. So if you just in your language, if you just change it to questions, like literally reshape the statement to a question, 
you will you will go so much farther. You become a real leader when you start asking questions. You know, how um how did you get that oil change done so fast? What did you do differently? Or what are some of your bottlenecks? Or what how can I help with that? Or what did that look like? Or man, how did you get that customer in and out so fast? What what did you do? Like you can edify, build up, encourage, and at the same time gather information and you're pulling stuff out of them. They did they didn't even know they did. That's huge. Yeah. Ask questions. Ask questions. I love it, man. Yep. Michael, this has been fantastic. I'm really grateful for your time today. Thanks so much for having me on. Absolutely. We'll see you next time. All right. Thanks. That was my interview with Michael Rosenberger. I want this show to serve and impact as many people in our industry as possible. To help me in that mission, please leave us a review, subscribe to the show, and tell others about us. If you'd like to contact me, you can email me at thomas at slcautopodcast.com or call 615-656-8804. See you guys in two weeks. No two shops are the same. That's why cookie cutter advice and coaching does not work. In order for your shop to get to the next level, you must have an action plan designed around your shop's unique needs. You'll also need accountability and encouragement along the way. Let ShopFix Academy help you create your best shop. Call 615-645-3683 to speak to someone on their leadership team about seeing if ShopFix Academy is a good fit for your shop. Learn more at shopfixacademy.com.